trouble. I wonder how Floyd feels being beat by a woman for once. Ireland have achieved the unthinkable. They have defeated four times world champions New Zealand. Sullivan's holding on. Oh, going to drive for that line. But Gabriela Chabot is the Olympic champion. Sonia O'Sullivan is beaten on the line. What a fantastic final lap. But what a response from Sonia O'Sullivan. A perfect Hello, my name is Tina Foley and this is Off the Bench, a podcast about women's sport which we hope will educate and entertain sports fans of all genders and ages. Uh, you can get all our previous episodes on iTunes or at offtheball.com, go into their podcast link. Um, and we also have a Twitter account, and that is at offthebenchotb, capital OTB, if you want to uh, give us any of your opinions. And also we post news of women's sport all around the world on that, so follow us at offthebenchotb. One of the reasons I set up Off the Bench was because I wanted to capture and find, find and capture, I suppose, um, the history of Irish women's sport because women's sport has got so little coverage over the years, particularly team sport, women's team sport, um, that I felt a lot of the history has been lost and I wanted to capture it and try and find it. So for that reason, we are really, really excited about today's guest because... Um, She's not only the greatest female basketballer this country has ever produced, and it isn't just me who thinks that, but lots of people. <laughs> uh, she's the only uh, Irish woman to play in the WNBA in America, and she's also the only Irish woman to coach in the NCAA in America. So she's just made history again last night. So Susan Morn, welcome to Off the Bench. Thanks for having me. It's fantastic to have you, and we're probably lucky to have you this morning because you <laughs> might have had a late night. Tell us what history you made last night. Ah, well, I got inducted into the Basketball Ireland Hall of Fame. And what was that like? Uh, it was unbelievable. First of all, the event itself was just well, well done. Um, it was held at Crow Park, which was yeah. pretty cool. I said yeah. to some of my friends, the last time I was at Crow Park was the sit-down protest of 98. Oh my goodness, the fair play replay. That I was don't the fair believe play, Yeah, <laughs> so that was right before I left... Oh, I liked here in 98. So. Were you on that pitch? I was on that Sue pitch. Born. I Were was you? definitely on that pitch. <laughs> Good friend of mine, Emily Bryan. Um, oh she would have played with me in the Sacred Heart. Her father was Willie Bryan. Yeah, famous, famous Offley character fame. in Offley So we were, we were all in, you know. So <laughs> were, I did sit on that pitch. You were sitting on the pitch in protest. It, yeah. That is amazing. And so what? for my next time to be back getting inducted into the Basketball Ireland Hall of Fame was... Fantastic. Pretty, pretty great, yeah. Well, listeners, I should tell you, um, Sue and Siobhan Caffrey became the first Irish women to ever be inducted into Basketball Ireland's Hall of Fame last night. So that, again, is another milestone that you passed. Um, and just a great honour, I'd say, for you. Well, something I didn't realise, to be honest. Like, they started talking, so I was, you know, hugely honoured when I got the email saying I was going to be in. And I don't know why I would have assumed there'd be more women in there. Yeah, so all yeah. of a sudden they start doing the introductions last night and they said to Siobhan, for this next 10 minutes, you're going to be the only woman in. I said, <laughs> wow. Like, I really didn't realize that we were the first women. So 
that that makes it extra special to it be does. honest it does make it extra yeah. special and let's hope there's going to be a lot more of them Siobhan Caffrey um, anybody who knows anything about Irish basketball another legend played for Meteors for years captain of the Irish international team just a fantastic woman so for us it's brilliant to see that piece of history again being captured by Basketball Ireland but it also gave us a chance because let's be honest Sue I've been stalking you for a few <laughs> years haven't I ah, stalking is a strong <laughs> word <laughs> we've been in touch we've been in touch I've been trying to get Sue on the podcast for the, since we started and that was December 2015 um, so we're really delighted to get you and to be, uh, to be able to get you when Basketball Ireland had your home is even better um, we'll, talk, we'll talk briefly about uh, your career before you went to, to America but just to, to brief the listeners who might know um, back in 1998 Sue was the star of Irish women's basketball she was a schoolgirl. she scored 48 points 48 points in an Irish schools basketball final for Sacred Heart Tullamore which was her home home school and her home home at the time and then she went on and she scored in the same season 52 points, was it, in the Under-19 Something. Cup final? It was definitely over 50. I didn't pass very much. I must have been terrible to it play was, with. It was 52 <laughs> points. So, uh, so she and um, I actually... Um, Kieran Shannon, who did the who did the, who did a list of the top twenty five Irish women's players and Irish men's players recently, um, the last few years you'll find it on online. Sue was number one, and he said she could do it all at both ends of the court. And because she was so good, she got a scholarship, as people did. Although you were probably amongst one of the first women to get a, a college scholarship in America. So you go to a place called St Joseph's in Philadelphia. I do in Philly. You go to Philly <laughs> in nineteen ninety eight, and you were an eighteen year old schoolgirl. I was. Yeah. And like tell us about that culture shock. Yeah, it was just um it was just so different, you know. Um the reason I did it was I knew at the time in order to further my game, you know, a, a little bit on this end it was more of a social thing once you got to the college age. Yeah. And for me to actually pursue just you know getting better and you know the dreams I had I suppose for myself I knew I was going to have to do it now what I didn't factor in was everything that was involved in that so over here we practiced maybe twice a week at the Sacred Heart or whatever all of a sudden it was six days a week and early morning workouts and lifting weights like you, I you never lifted weights I never lifted a weight in my life now I had done Imagine. push-ups and yeah. which I strongly believe in still. yes yeah push-ups yeah. sit-ups and I used to jump rope and that was kind of my <laughs> routine so when I looked at these weights you know I thought they were mad yeah um six o'clock mornings six. Sue um if, if memory serves me correctly Sue was not an early morning not person. a morning person no and, and not a, an on-time person you were always late very much yes yeah. I, I laugh one of the first times I came home I was playing with the Irish team and Anne Ganley my coach from the Sacred Heart, we were going to go out afterwards or something after the match. And I was in and out, first one out of the shower. And she's like, who are you? Like, cause I'd be <laughs> dra- done with I would usually be dragging my feet. But yeah, like, you, and that was like what they offered over there. there you was, got punished if you were late. There was training. a discipline was attached. The there was an attitude adjustment. So there was running or... Now, I never really got one of those because extra running wasn't really up my alley, you know. Um, but, but if, yeah, you, if you had been late for session, I remember reading back then, um, yeah. they would bring you in at 5 a.m. and You'd do a three-mile run You'd come in early and do a three-mile run wow. around the track, yeah, wow. or yeah. sprints before practice or sprints after practice, which is worse again because you've so just done was, a two-and-a-half-hour practice. It was, and you go from being, you go from being a, 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 a huge fish in a tiny, tiny pond, yeah. and then you go into into this 
college program, which was Division One. You deliberately chose to go to a top yeah. Division One college. Um, and and how do you make that adjustment? And how difficult was it? Like you said something to Mary Maguire from Basketball Ireland, which I thought was really interesting over the weekend. And you said, you know, this is amazing for somebody who was told she was too slow and too small. Yeah. I mean, was there that element? You know what? I I don't think anyone told me that here, because um, I did have a great career in relation to Irish basketball. Mm. So when I got to America, I probably thought I was pretty good. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, because yeah, no course. one had ever... Why wouldn't you? And over here, I wasn't too small or too, you know. So the, so the difference was kind of on that end, you know, hearing those things or, you know, um, feeling those things. But it just made you want to work harder. You played inside. Yeah. You played a post position. I did. I played and in you're post. And not, you're not hugely tall. I was listed as 6'1". Yeah, I'm laughing at that. She is not 6'1". <laughs> yeah, well, I think based on my stats in Ireland, like, so one coach had kind of seen me over here uh, when they were doing a European tour. Yeah. And had recruited me to come over. So the stats were, like, score inside, rebounder. Yeah. So I think they just assumed Assume I was 6'1". Six six <laughs> yeah. And what height are you probably? Uh, I say 5'10". Yeah, well, I would have said slightly yeah. lower than that but you always played I mean if anybody ever seen Sue play she played like a six foot two person because <laughs> she could jump and you know hang in the air and her jump shot was amazing so that is really interesting but like when you went over were you suddenly playing with all these people who were taller and stronger and fitter than I you? I was the, the biggest transition for me was the, the strength of the game and the speed of the game like everything just happened quicker yeah. so I came in as an 18 year old freshman and on the team there might have been let's say a fifth year senior Wow. So a 22, almost 23-year-old yeah. who'd been lifting for five years. And yeah. so the first time you got hit in the screen by one of those girls, you, you <laughs> felt sure it for felt sure. It. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it took, I, I remember freshman year in the middle of St. Joe's, there's these big steps. It's a, it's a beautiful campus and this barbling bell tower is in the middle of it. And you have classes in this bell tower and there's these steps and they just seem like this mountain after you know your morning workouts or a practice and trying to maneuver yeah, them so. with like a bruise here and a bruise there and a sore knee and, and the just way the muscles from yeah, training from training it was wow. it was quite the adventure and you and you're and you're immediately thrown into NCAA you know top division American football and for anybody who doesn't know what that is I think your first game might have been against Tennessee and roughly how many people would have been there ah you're talking at least 10,000 right. um, at a game like that because Tennessee, where Pat Summit's a very yeah, famous, famous... The yeah. most famous, yeah. Um, she's passed away since. She has. I have her own biography. Amazing. Yeah, yeah she was coach. just you know, a pioneer of the game in oh, so yeah. many ways. Everywhere. Yeah. And um, they won, I don't know offhand how many national championships, but the year I came over, they had just won the national championship. And that's your first game. And our first game is at Tennessee. Oh, my so Lord. So there's a lot of pomp and circumstance around these things. And... You know, I was saying to Mary as well, yesterday, I didn't have a clue, you know. I was just dying to compete, dying to play my first game. And I kind of walked into the arena all right, and I'm like, wow, like, this is, this is bigger than our <laughs> arena, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of Because we'd be a smaller private school, and they're yeah. a big state school, you know, and a very good program. Um, so it was some atmosphere to go out there, and there were legends like... Uh, Chamika Holesclaw, yeah, who went Tamika on to Catchings, yeah, like Tamika just Catchings. other legends of the game, and... And they were playing for them. Playing for them. There was one picture where I'm guarding Shamika Holesla. I was in the paper afterwards, and I'm like, look at me. Like, they 
beat they beat us pretty bad, but you know we we competed um, because at that time we'll talk about it later too for your connection with. But at the time the WNBA was was starting. It started in ninety six, ninety seven, yeah. and Catchings and Hope so they went on to Absolutely. be WNBA's huge big stars yeah. in it. So and like, Catchings only retired level. recently. Yeah, so that's um, the level of players you were. That's playing the level in the first game. In. We went got stuck right in. <laughs> oh my! And Lord. didn't know the difference. Like people kept talking about it in the lead up to the game. I didn't know who these people were. It didn't yeah. make any difference to me. Yeah. Um, which is something that I think helped me along the way. Like I just, I love no to play. Concept. I wanted to compete. It didn't, didn't matter. And I say it to our team now, like they, we all put our shorts on the same way, you know. Yeah. yeah. So it, it really didn't factor into. I just wanted to get out there and you get stuck in. Well, yeah. You, yeah. Well, you always played like that here, but it's interesting that you probably because you went from a point almost of ignorance, not knowing how big yeah, it was. Absolutely, it was a point just, of ignorance is the, yeah, the best way yeah, to describe it, and yeah. it served me well. Did it? Yeah. yeah. Were you ever overawed by by it in the college games? So? Um, I don't think you know what I. I almost felt it more as a coach. So, well, also because you're not on the floor, so you've yeah you have yeah. control, but you don't have that control. Yeah, but when I, you're playing, you're in it. You're in it, and as a player, we won the Atlantic Ten Championship that freshman year. So we had a very, I came into a very good team, right. you know. So we won the Atlantic Ten Championship that year, and in my mind, oh, I guess we do. This is what we do. We exactly. win this every year. Exactly, you win all Ireland. You think we're going to do this every Absolutely. year? Absolutely. Yeah. Again, yeah. ignorance. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we didn't win another. St. Joe's didn't win another Atlantic Ten Championship until I was a coach. Wow. So I had gone so, through my whole playing career, wow. not won another one, and then through, I don't know, 10, 12 years of a coaching career. And you win. So that moment felt like but That year you else. arrived was an amazing year for you. It was. And, and um, for people who don't know, in America, you win your conference, then you go to regionals, then if you're good enough, you go to nationals. How far did you go? They're the lady, you're the Lady Hawks, isn't it, St. Joe's? What were you called? We actually, no, we weren't called the Lady, lady Hawks. Hawks. No, were the Hawks? Just the Hawks, the Hawks. Yeah, yeah. And did you go, how far did you go after? We won our, so the, Right after um, your conference tournament, you either get into the NCAA tournament. If you win, you get an automatic bid. Yeah. And if you don't win, if you've had a good enough year, you'll get um, an at-large bid. So that year, the first year we won, so we had the automatic bid, got right. to the NCAA tournament. We won our first match. We're playing out at Duke, which was pretty incredible to be in Massive. Cameron Indoor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we played Tulane in the first round, and we beat them, and we were by far the underdogs, you know. Yeah, it, it would have been relatively unknown. Smaller school. Yeah. So we, we beat them, and then we ended up playing Duke at Duke, which was a, a tough number, and they beat us in the second round. So Wow. Um, yeah, so it would progress then to the Sweet 16, Elite 8, you Final got to, Four, you, and then National Championship. So yeah. we got to the second round, which was... So, so and the March Madness, as we call March Madness, yeah. is that the last 16 normally? Is that March the, Madness is the whole thing. the whole thing. Is the so whole you actually thing. made so March Madness you're into in the, the tournament, you are involved in March wow. Madness. And that so, is so big yeah, first America. and second year. Wow. So second year we didn't win the Atlantic Ten tournament. Right, but you got but a nomination. We, got, we had a good season, so we got an at-large bid. Right. And and I always remember this story. Um, we were playing Texas again, big big Massive state college. school. Yeah. yeah, we're playing them at Rutgers. They have these different sites you go to to play them, and we beat them on St. Patrick's Day. Oh. So the big thing was, and I was, I got my got my colors up a little bit. And it was like, oh, you know, I had a good game or whatever. And it was like, oh, it must be the look of the eye. I was like, there's nothing, nothing lucky, lucky about, about this. It. Like, yeah. I appreciate you acknowledging my Irish heritage, but <laughs> the amount of work that went in to produce that win, you know. Wow. So I remember getting my back up a little bit with this look of the Irish story. It was a nice story, and it's a great American story for, the, for yeah. the media. But that's not but the for truth me. Is. I was like, there's, you know, there's my nothing lucky about it. Yeah, a win like that. So, so, um, so 
Sue was in St. Joseph's for four years. She, I don't, do you still hold the all-time school record for scoring? I do, men and women. Men and women. And I'm only saying it because it always gets put out there that it's the women. And Classic. There there's, you go. There's very good... Uh, Jameer Nelson was a, a huge player, had a stellar NBA career. He played at St. Joe's. Um, Langston Galloway is currently playing um, in the NBA. So we've had very good players, players over the years. But you still hold the I still hold that record. Every time I see Jameer, I give it, give <laughs> it a little mention, I you know, it. and he appreciates it too. But so uh, twenty-three point game average, I think, and record rebounding. And she played. You played one hundred and twenty-two straight games for them, didn't you? You'd know more than me. Yeah, I've done my homework. So I knew you were coming. Um, I mean, you know, made the Atlantic Ten legend team has so a Hall of Famer already in America that's <coughs> why it's lovely to get this Irish one to yeah, match that I think um, and you just before you graduated you mm -hmm. got approached or you got an opportunity because the WNBA as I said the women's NBA was you know starting to yeah. it started 96, 97 so this is just it's been going a few years yeah. tell us about how did you end up joining the New York Liberty well it's funny so I had a great college career um, but again, it was on a smaller stage um, because we would be considered a mid-major conference. Right. And then you have the majors, the power five, you'd call them. So sometimes the mid-majors get overlooked a little bit. So I'm very proud to be a mid-major right. player. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, the, the, you know, it was talk about, are you going to get drafted? You know, and all of a sudden you're trying to get an agent and all this stuff. Um, and the draft came and went and I didn't get drafted. So I'm like, all right, there goes. That. And did you did you go for trials? Did you did at you that point? No. no, they kind of base it off coming around Watching statistics, and they came to many games and they scout you, okay. and so they're kind of coming up with their picks and who they might do. So no, there's no so tryout or anything at that point. So I wasn't drafted, and then maybe two days after the draft to fill their training camps, they ask, you know, they want they want other people basically to practice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. Guinea pigs, get them in yeah. there. And then, you know, they, yeah, there's a chance, but it's a, it's a slim chance compared to who they drafted. Um, so we got a call from New York, and they said, right, you know, we'll invite you to training camp. And that was kind of the next tier. You get invited to training camp. So I got invited to training camp. So at that point, it was do or die. Like, it's, <clears throat> you're in there. How many more <clears throat> were like you that got invited to that training camp? I would camp? say there was probably four maybe at the Liberty training camp. So you're in there filling out their roster. Filling out the roster. giving them practice people. Practice people and hoping that this you'll is a catch shot. an eye. Yeah, it's a shot. And it's funny. It was a very unsettling um, time because you're at training camp, you're going through these practices, and my particular coach, a lot of teams are doing double sessions. He just liked to go for four hours straight, Ooh. which is good and bad. Some of the double sessions you have to like warm down and then warm back up, so bit of both but you know so you'd be Monday Tuesday and you have these practices and then Wednesday you know Sarah's missing it's like wait, wait, what happened Sarah and you get a call saying you Sarah's know come to the office the... and bring your playbook that was the right. that was the your out call that was a piece so you're kind of arriving every morning and being like who is here and selfishly you're like I hope, it's I hope Sarah's gone. I know. <laughs> because if Sarah's gone, I'm true. one step closer. This is the truth of you professional know? sports. So that was just, just very, and you're just putting it in every day because every day could literally be your last and how shot many at days? this thing. Training camp was about two weeks, maybe a little over two weeks. Wow. So it's not terribly long. But every day you're out there. But every day you're out there hoping that you don't get that call to come. Did they play playbook. any games? 
we did. We had uh, a couple of preseason games, which is actually one of my favorite memories from the whole thing. Um, so the Liberty were based out of Madison Square Garden. No, MSG. <laughs> I know. One of the most iconic sports venues in the world. It's so funny, like, because on my team was Teresa Witherspoon, yeah. who was a legend yeah. of the game. And I think when they put us up, they put us up downtown Manhattan in these apartment hotels. Yeah. And when they put me up, I was in the really nice one, because I think they figured... I'd get She's close. She's not going to be there now. <laughs> <laughs> so she'll be out. So I was in with Teresa Witherspoon and <gasps> Becky, oh Hammond Becky Hammond was on my team. Now yeah. coaching in the now, NBA, but we'll talk about that yeah. later. So Are you serious? We'd be walking to, like, work. So I'd be walking from, you know, my hotel in Manhattan down to Madison Square Garden. But, you know, Teresa Witherspoon's getting stopped left and right for autographs, and I'm like, the little Irish girl following behind her. Um, but it was great. So Madison, you got games? So Madison Square Garden, um, we had a preseason game. It was against Houston. And my, it was around my graduation time. So I literally, so it was this time of the year, I went back to Philly on the train so I could walk for graduation and everything. My parents were over because of graduation, so, and my Auntie Carmel, and we came back up to Madison Square Garden for this game. And it was kind of getting to the end of training camp, and it wasn't, like, I, I wasn't in. We had some other games before that, and I had gotten in early. And this game, I just hadn't gotten in, yeah, you, you know, much at all. I was yeah, on the bench, and I'm like, wow, that's... And in my head the whole time, I'm like, that's it. Like, this is... I'm looking around, I'm like, this was it. Like, it was a fun ride, you know. So then I got called into the game... And my dad, you know my dad, my dad goes Martin. nuts. Martin goes nuts. Mammy's like, Martin, sit down, sit down. <laughs> Martin, that uh, And I can picture them, like, in the middle of Madison Square Garden, like, dad's losing it. And I get in, I get fouled, I'm on the line. And I'm usually so unaware of those things. Throughout my playing career, like, I, I never, nothing really fazed me, but I, I could just see them and hear them gotcha. because it was just this moment for me, you know? And I made both free throws. It was just great feeling. Scoring and both. Yeah, I scored. Yeah. And um, again, I thought that was it. I thought it was all going to be over. How many minutes did you get in that game? Like? I would say nothing like six, right. six minutes maybe. Yeah. Um, but then maybe two days later after that, they had the final cuts. And they called me into the office and said, congrats. Like, yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> I made it. <laughs> so it was just unbelievable. Yeah. If I remember correctly, I think, did you rush back to your graduation just after that? Or no, the graduation was right before, so in the middle of this whole thing. So you went back for the graduation yeah. and then went back. And then went back and, and a couple signed. of days later got signed. Yeah. And I remember because I knew who I was up against at this point. Yeah. Because it was, you know, you had your, yeah. you knew who the you starters knew the roster were. Was. You yeah. knew. Yeah. And I was never going to be a star in the WNBA, yeah. but yeah. I wanted to make it. I wanted to make the team. So as it got whittled down every day, you know, you, you knew who you were, you were battling. And, um, and this is the reality. I always say, you know, we want women's sport to be professional. We want, we want women to be paid. We want equality. We sometimes forget the harsh reality of pro sport and oh, how yeah. hard it is. And, and you have to be careful. What you, you know, if you, if you want to play pro sport, this is how hard it is. But you became a professional sports person, which in 19, whatever it was, about 2002? 2002, 2002 it, yeah. Pretty, pretty unthinkable, actually, for any female athlete in Ireland. You got a shot. I you did get a shot. You got a shot to play pro. Yeah. And I know nothing about what happened to you as a pro, because back then we didn't have access to the WNBA. We couldn't even follow it. I, you, even online, there wasn't stuff. It was very hard to find out how you were getting on. Yeah. What happened? Well, I was base. I was on the team, and I was pretty much on the injured reserve for the year. So I, d I didn't really get to see much time or anything in my WNBA career. 
And um, when you say you're on the injured reserve, were you injured or what? I, did, I have a, had a hip issue at one point. Um, so that kind of was stopping me from getting on a little bit. And then there was kind of roster spots. They would move around and to keep some. They had all different ways of keeping a certain amount of people on the team. What, was, what size was the squad? We had maybe 12. Right, okay. Maybe 12. And I think they might be smaller now, the squads. Right. It's very, like, I think yeah. coming, if I was coming out now, I think I would find it much harder to make a roster. Really? Um, Even now? Just based, yeah, because yeah, you have a lot of younger players in the game, and every year more graduating. Yeah. Yeah. And the rosters are even smaller, like salary caps. You know, it's yeah. not, it's the fact it's been around this long is brilliant and it gives um, players a chance to play in America. But, you know, salary, there is no real equality in salary. So all these oh. girls like myself are going overseas in the off season. Yeah. So that's what I did. Like most of my pro career was overseas. So you signed for a W. Do you, do you ever get to play for the Liberty? Did you play much? Just of the preseason games. Only preseason yeah. games. Yeah. Do you go to all the games and sit on the bench? Oh, yeah, yeah. And how tough you're, is you're that for somebody who was so good and oh, I was so thrilled. used to being I was there. thrilled. Were you? Yeah, because I knew, I knew just to be a part of it was so special. Um, I was ready if my number was called. I was practicing every day with the best in the world at Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden. So I wasn't begrudging by any means. I was thankful to have that chance, that opportunity. And our team were really good. Like, I came onto a team of veterans. Yeah. Um, and we got to the WNBA finals that year. Yeah. So, like, I was the one on the bench who, like, after we won the Eastern Conference Championships, had the camera out. I have great footage. I'm going to show you at some point. <laughs> you know, the confetti's coming down. And so just to, to be a part of all that was, was special. Now, would I have given my right and left arm to, to be playing more and to see yeah. some time? Sure. But... Okay. I kind of knew what my role was in the team. And you were traveling, every, probably you were traveling for games while you were doing all that. Were you still living in apartments in the town? In Manhattan, yeah. Exactly. Were you, what was the pay like? I was always curious what the pay was like. You know, it was, so compared to the, the men's game, it's... Well, even think now, it's, the average WNBA salary, the average salary is $70,000, yeah. which is like nothing. It is nothing. But when you're 18 mm. and you're coming out of college and they're going to pay you a certain amount for three months... Yeah, you think you've made it, but that was almost the attitude. Though you're just happy to be there a little bit, and and it's changing now, and people are demanding more, which is yeah. great. Yeah, I think it's starting with women's soccer in America. They yeah. really and they're getting equality yes. in regards to pay, and the WNBA are, are heading that route as well. Yeah, you can see that they're starting. There's to definitely a shift. Yeah, yeah. But again, as an 18 year old, first job was yeah. playing in the WNBA, and they were paying you a certain amount for three months. I was delighted with myself, you know. So, and, and they were putting you up and you had they all that stuff. Up. There was yeah. no expenses yeah, exactly. or, you know. So. So, you, so you did that first season. Did the first season. <coughs> and then like a lot of W, even now, w, yeah. what they do is when the season is over, they go and they play abroad. That's how they sustain themselves. Yeah. Because even the top salaries they reckon are about a hundred, over, not much more over 100,000 yeah. a year. So you went, did you go to Spain? I did go to Spain, yeah. To Barcelona? To Barcelona. And what Still level One of my favorite, favorite cities. What a city, It was yeah. beautiful. I played in the top division in Spain. So there's, you know, a couple of really good countries for basketball, and Spain is definitely one of yeah. them. Um, so I would have played in Liga Femenina 1. Right, um, for how their long? top division. I played there for a year. Right. Um, a great and did year. you, had you finished with the Liberty at that stage? Yeah, so the Liberty kind of finishes up in the summer, and then these European leagues start up in the fall. Right. So I went over September, October, and you're kind of there through March, and then you would come back. Right. Um, and what US. did you do then? Did you come back to Liberty? So I came back to the Liberty that summer. So, 
you know, I was still part, I was kind of on the same contract as I was leaving and came back to training camp. So the same routine happens again. And this time I was the one who was called in. You got the call. I got the call, bring the playbook. Did you? Yeah, I did. Um, so that What's was... What's that like? That was a low light for sure, yeah. You know, it's so funny because my first, the first year, I felt like I'd almost no business making it because I was a post player, like we talked about in college, and I knew at that level I was going to have to be a guard. Yeah. So I had a couple you of weeks kind of in between, and I was trying to become a guard, and I was leaving it all out there, but I was an okay guard. I was a very good post player. Yeah. I was an okay guard yeah. that year. You change a position completely. But I made the team, and then I go to Spain, and I'm playing the guard position in Spain. So now I have a year under my belt playing Great. professionally, and I feel just more confident and like, yeah. yeah, I got this. Like, I can compete. And um, so to not make it that year was, was very disappointing, which is funny. I, I've seen the coach who cut me since, and we joke that, you know, he said, well, I just, I need a point guard this year. It was just a position thing. I need a point. I'm like, oh, I can't go from being a post to a point guard. Point guard's like the quarterback. She's running the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, game. like, yeah. you're asking a lot, you know. Yeah. So that was his rationale for me not having a spot in the team. Like, they really needed a point guard. Um, for that other roster spot, and I wasn't a point guard. And I couldn't disagree with him. I was not a point guard. And so you walk out of that office? So I walk out of that office. In, are we in Madison Square Garden still? We, we You know what? They moved. We played at Madison Square Garden that but year. Did, did they moved it out to Westchester. They okay. built a big training Up facility for So the you Knicks walk out of that us. office. You're yeah. 23, whatever you are, 23, probably 23. Yeah. yeah. And, what, um, and what's, what's your first thought? Um, I'm just wondering what's next, you know, I'm kind of, I, I guess I wasn't even, th I wasn't even thinking, I was just, I was very disappointed. You were shocked. This was I was, because like I said, this was the year I thought not only could I make the team, but I could maybe contribute, you know, so that was my plan, like I knew that first year just chip away, and mm. so I was hoping like my role would increase each year, so to get cut was just disappointing, so I wasn't really thinking, like I knew Europe would be there for me or whatever, but this was the dream. Europe was the job, yeah. whereas the WNBA was the dream, which is funny because still, like you said, the people, when they go and play in Europe, they make three times, yeah. four times what they make in the WNBA. Right. But the WNBA is the WNBA, you know? And so. it's so interesting you should say that because I was talking to Adrian Fulton this year, whose son is one of the rising stars of Irish basketball, and Adrian was an international, and he was saying, the problem in Ireland is we all think NBA all the time. We should be looking at Europe. He yeah. was saying that for boys as well. It's the same on the men's side, We yeah. really shouldn't be thinking about Dublin, about America. We should be thinking Europe because European basketball is so interesting and, and so, so, so big and you can make a really good living there. Absolutely. So, so how quickly did you shift or what did you do? Where, where did you go next? Well, so then, you know, talk to my agent. Sounds so funny. Talk to my agent, <laughs> you know, which team am I going to go back to? I liked my time in Spain. I thought, you know, Spain's a good spot for me. Um, and in the meantime, my coach, Cindy Griffin from St. Joe's, said, come on in, we'll have a chat, you know. And she says, I have an opportunity for you. Um, someone was leaving the staff at St. Joe's. And she said, you know, would you ever think about coaching? Which is funny because it's not something I had ever really... No, your degree in college <coughs> was marketing. Was you marketing. marketing yeah. yeah, so... Yeah, you didn't do education, if you I like, pictured yeah. after my basketball career being some business, businesswoman, you know. <laughs> um, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, <laughs> something to that extent, yeah. Um, and I said to her, you know, coach, I just, I'm not done playing. Like, I still had the bug. And there were, I was, I think to get over that disappointment of not making the Liberty that second year, I needed to play more because yeah. I wasn't going to finish on that note. You know, I wanted to go somewhere and do a lot of damage and feel good about it. Um, so she was just wonderful. She said, listen, I get it. 
you definitely are still in playing mode, that's fine. We'd love to have you on staff. So here's the deal. You can come here and coach during the year. And then in the summers, there's a lot of good leagues in the summers in the Southern Hemisphere, so New Zealand, Australia. Yeah. You can go play wherever you want in the summers. And how would that work for you? And to me, it was like bingo. So I start this job that's more secure. Like, because yeah. there's an insecurity. Like, playing professionally, oh, it's wonderful, but what you might get cut. You might get hurt. After. Exactly. You know, how many years you want to be living out of your suitcase. So the idea of a stable job, doing something I love, and then having the flexibility to go off and play the sport I love in the summers was just a win win, you know? And in the meantime, in my brain, I still wanted to be Jerry Maguire, so I was going to get my master's. <laughs> and when you work at these American universities, yeah. they pay for your master's your education. Yeah, so I said, brilliant. great, I'll coach. I love basketball. Get and the it's master's. a job. Get the master's and go play. So it was like the trifecta. <laughs> and I said, right, that's what I'll do. And Martin and Etna back in Tullamore, I'd say, were pretty delighted as well. And they heard you were getting a steady, kind of a solid thing. They were. I think their dream was always I would just come home and live in Ireland. Yeah, that was the only problem for <laughs> So them, that was, yeah. th this was dream too. Yeah. But, um, and how, how many years did you do the play in Australia and play, did I you did play New Zealand? I played New Zealand and I played in Australia. Right. So I did that for two seasons. And right. at that point, I felt like, you know what? I've, I've done my thing, I had great success in both those places and felt good about it and was ready to just, you know, settle a bit yeah. more. Like I was still kind of living with friends when I would come back yeah. and then, you know, I just wasn't yeah. settled. It's not, it's not a, as glamorous a lifestyle as you think. Now I'm not complaining, I saw the world, you know, I, I don't know if I'll leave Australia again, it seems so far away at this yeah. point, but, you know, I got to travel the world, play the sport I love, get paid for it. And, and just have those experiences. So yeah. that, that's the good part of it. The other part is What's the... What's the unglamorous stuff? Well, the, the, un, the unsettling, like, where are you going to live? Like, should I, should I have a state? You know, all your friends that you went to college with at this point are four years, five years into a job, 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 moving up the ranks. You're like, am I being left behind? Mm -hmm. Now you learn that you'll be working a long time, so you're not, you're not getting left behind at all. Yeah. They'll never have the experiences you had. But th there is just that unsettling feeling of, you know, I'm not going to be doing this forever because monetarily, yeah. I can't. I can't. You yeah. know? If I want to get a house, if, I want to Yeah, and if I was Brianna Stewart or, you yeah. know, maybe, but I, I wasn't of that caliber, right? I was, I was a good player and I could make a living out of it, but if I wanted to do better than that... Sports yeah. wasn't where I was going to make it, unfortunately. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, that's the reality, isn't it? That, yeah. Like that's the level you're dealing with. Yeah. Whether it's our soccer players going to America, we get a lot of young female soccer players go to America, and that they all have that experience as well. Whereas you know, you, you really you're you're up against the best. You've got to make it or or decide yeah. you're going to go another way. So you ended up coaching, and you're still coaching. coaching. So I am. I am. I'm. It's it's funny because it wasn't something I wanted to get into. Yeah. And like I said, I had these friends moving on and they were doing this, doing that. And I was coming home every day being like, oh, I love my job. Like, it's so great. And I was watching these people, you know, being like, I hate my job. I'm sitting behind a desk. And in my mind, I was doing my master's the whole time. So once I graduated with the master's, the idea was to move on to the business, to business world. Yeah. yeah. And all my friends who were involved in the business world were hating every moment of it. Interesting. And here I was being like, wait, I love what I do. I like going to work. I could just do this. And it was just a moment of clarity, I suppose. Um, and then I decided to stick with it. So 16 years later, 
You are coaching? I am coaching. What is your title? So I'm the associate head coach at St. Joe's right. until June 1. All right, okay. So I'm making a bit of a move um, within the staff. So I'm staying on the staff at St. Joe's, but I'm going to become the director of recruiting operations and uh, personal development okay. for the kids. So I had a baby. Miss yeah. Ashlyn. Ashlyn. And Who's just 14 months old. 14 months old, running around Crow Park yesterday, loving every minute of it. <laughs> Ate a lot of sugar, which is probably not very good today for daddy. <laughs> she's, on, but, she's on the roof somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, you know, again, there's a, a commitment, you know, to sports, even, even as a job, like it's not a five day a week, nine to five job. Um, we're talking seven days a week and five of them, you're out in the road either recruiting or playing so like on a bat let's say the worst case scenario was maybe a monday i'd be gone recruiting and then we'd have a game in rhode island on wednesday so i'd leave tuesday night with the team and then we'd have the game wednesday so you're not home tuesday you're not on wednesday thursday you're off but try do some work with a 14 month old running around so so you're not off um you know friday you're home saturday you might leave for a game in st louis yeah, leave Saturday, hopping in a plane, then Sunday you have the game in St. Louis. Now that was a particularly that would be a particularly bad week with two away games. Yeah, yeah. But you're talking, you know, seven days a week for the season, and the season's long. College season is very college long. season is long. Like we start practices in October. October, and so you finish starting in October. No weekend plans. Like we practice yeah. every weekend, yeah. and you finish in March. Yeah, it's a long season. So for me, just priorities have shifted a little bit, and um, so I'll be. Again, I'm on the staff and I'll be working very closely with everyone. And you know, it's something we talk about here all the time is like, um, why don't we see more women in coaching? Um, is it, you know, is it, is it, is it, a partic- does it, is it a particularly harder lifestyle for women or, you know, what are your feelings on that? Um, you probably never thought about it. I hadn't. Or did you until you had Ashlyn? No, I hadn't thought about it. Like there was moments after I had Ashlyn, I'm like, can I go back? Because maternity leave is very different in America. Yeah. So, like, I had friends, I, I was joke with them, they were, like, awful upset, and they're heading back after two years of maternity leave. And three months, you actually are only entitled to six weeks. Six weeks in America. Paid. Wow. And you can take another six. Yeah, pay for them yourself. Unpaid. Right, okay. Um, Whereas here, it's, it's, six, it's six, and then you can extend it to a year, nine, nine months, you can add on. Yeah. It's, it's six weeks. So, at the, you know, so when I was handing my three-month-old to a daycare, I'm like, what am I doing? You know, so at that point, I'm like, can I get through this year? Yeah. Um, and it's a peripatetic lifestyle. You're traveling all the time, flying to games, flying to recruit players, flying to recruit other teams to do, to, absolutely. To do prep for matches. Yeah. So that is so a difficult There's the logistics one. of it that is hard, right? But I have a wonderful husband, Greg, has been, like at the start, I said, I don't know if we can even logistically do this because he works, you know? Yeah. But we made it work. Um, time-wise, we, we were able to make it work. Right. But then I looked at it and said... It, do I want it though? Yeah. Like, yeah. Is it what you can mean? I make it work? Yes. Do I want to? Maybe not so much. Yeah. Based on just like you know. So now your new job will involve less less, less traveling and maybe less weekends, or will you and less, weekends. less weekends? Exactly. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and, and that's where you'll be for the moment, and let's see where that takes. Yeah. And it's and it's in the it's in the still in the double NCA, and I think I would just like just briefly to talk about how big college basketball is in America and women's college basketball yeah. is in America. Um, tell people who Arika, I can never pronounce the name, Ogunbowale is it? You did a better job yeah, than I would do. Yeah, Arika <laughs> Ogunbowale. T- 
tell people who she is and why she was such a big story in the last few years. Uh, so she was a player at Notre Dame, yeah. which is so funny because I always was like, I wish I went to Notre Dame because it was Irish. <laughs> but little did it, cause, well, they're not, they're yeah. fighting Irish, they're fighting is there, Irish you know, the, is there the stereotype. Little did I know they're one of the best teams in the whole country. Yeah. But anyways, um, she was a star for Notre Dame and they're actually, Muffet McGraw, I don't know if you know this yeah. one, their coach played at St. Joe's. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. So she is a loyal hawk, oh. which is wonderful. Um, Muffet McGraw was very strong, actually, this year and had some really good things to say about women and coaching and, and the t- media attention and everything for women's sports. But anyway, Yeah, she is a very strong... very strong, yeah, very strong female role model. Role model yeah. Yeah. So, Arika, but, but they, they made... Was it two years in a row? La- yeah, so they won it, not, this past, not this past year, the year yeah, before. The previous season. And she hit a, an unbelievable... Buzzer beater. She, be, she she had a buzzer beater in both in games. In both games, in the you're right. Final and, and the final. final, yeah, unbelievable. And then this year they go and they get to the final. Yeah. And I guess you could say technically she missed some. She missed free shots. Late, late in the yeah, game that, that might have cost. Shots. Now I'm a coach, so I say, is it those free shots? Or is it everything that happened within Absolutely. the game? There's it's everything that, happened. that exactly. happened in the game. But yeah. she was, everyone looked at her because she missed free shots at the end and because also she'd hit these two amazing buzzer beaters. But the, the women's NCA finds the previous year where she hit those two buzzer beaters in the semi-final, I think they, they, beat, they beat two huge teams. Um, it actually outshadowed the men's. Oh, it was unbelievable. The men's, the men's final was a, was a walkover for some team, and everybody in America that loved basketball was talking about the women's NCAA. Well, I will say, at the NCAA level, the women's game is so popular. Yeah. You know, men and women. They don't seem to differentiate. No, they really, like, the, the production that goes into it and, and the show they put on and, and the games are good. The quality is The quality is, is really good. And, you know, Greg, my husband, wouldn't have watched too much women's basketball <laughs> before he met me. Yeah. Um, but now, like, he is a loyal fan. And not just because of me. Yeah. But he's gotten into it. So I'll come home and he has, you know, two random matches on TV, women's basketball. I'm like, what are you doing, love? <laughs> <laughs> but he loves it. And now, you know, you'd see his friends are beginning to follow it. And it's just the quality of the game is it's something so else. And it's worth watching. Oh, it's amazing. You know, if it wasn't worth watching, people wouldn't. Yeah. Um, they got um, I, the 4.3 million in 2014, the women's final got uh, on TV, and 3.1 million the following year. Like the numbers, the TV ratings, all of that is huge. Which makes me ask the question why hasn't the WNBA moved forward? The WNBA. Um, they're still averaging less than something like 7,000 fans at games. Um, the, the viewerships are nothing like that. I know. Um, I, I can't figure it out myself, and they obviously can't figure it out either. Yeah. Um, or they, or there be, I mean, they're trying to change it, but... Is it that alumni thing? Is that college... You know, it's a bit like, I think it, sometimes with American colleges and school stuff, it's like the GAA. You're so loyal to your your... Yes. Your parish, your club, or your college, and you went there, or you had family connections with your college, whether it's St. Joseph's or whatever yeah. it is, and people will follow them, but they don't connect maybe to a professional women's, you know, that doesn't have a, a you know, a, a, a huge base. long history as well. Yeah, either. no, that's a very good point, and I think you're onto something in that regards. Yeah. Um, do you see it changing? I do. I do. I, I think, you know, the NBA are trying to help it. They're kind of piggybacking on the NBA. I think that can help. Not every club has an NBA male equivalent. Some of no. them have about half them. There's about 12 clubs, about half yeah. them have, yeah. Um, but that definitely, you know, it definitely helps. You, d- you don't want to be piggybacking all the time, but if it helps the game and grow the game and the exposure, that's, that's great, you yeah. know. 
Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with it. To be the honest, so, is social media, which we see in Ireland, is building a, a new, um, it's certainly widening an audience. We think for women's sport, we don't know how long. Maybe I have big arguments over, you know, how is it doing it? Are we in a bubble? Is it a vacuum? But do you see it making a difference in American sport? Or you said to me coming in today, you really see in Ireland there's a big push for women's sport that you don't necessarily see in America. Yeah, no, there, the social media presence is there. And I think um, that will help grow the game. You know, I, I, just, I just had a daughter, so I'm all over this stuff. Any of these stories about women who are either overcoming something to make this team or like the work they put in to build a champion um you know their stories they have out there in the WNBA like as a mother of a, of a young girl I'm going to be all over that so I you know I think that stuff is definitely helping do you see do you see it on TV not so much TV really? no they don't get the TV coverage right. to be honest um, I think social media, they do. They have their own WNBA app where you yeah. can watch games. Yeah, you can stream but stuff. But you're not really sitting in a restaurant or something and looking up and, looking up and seeing, which is the difference, I think, with the NCAA, NCAA tournament because they really do cover the games, men's and women's. You know, you could always flick, 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 and, and there's on. another game on. And at that time of the year, people just want to watch basketball because it's March Madness. It's March Madness. Um, so I think that the TV presence is probably what they're... Really, lacking. that's they're lacking that. They're that's lacking that. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think they do a good job with their social media and promoting their players, right. but um, maybe that's a vacuum of its own. Who's you know who's yeah. following? Yeah, you know. And also, I think maybe to the time of year because um, I think it runs in a in a quieter time of year, doesn't it? It kind of runs in the summer. Yeah, well, it's competing a little bit right now, so it's starting. Their training camps are finishing in they're the just next starting. in the next week, so games are going to start, and you're so you're going to be competing with to the begin men's NBA with the NBA championship playoffs now. You know you're what I mean? To the big time for that. So you're competing with yeah. them to start the season. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. Maybe people are done with basketball at that point, like the end of the NBA season, kind of is the true end to March Madness kind of thing. Yep. Maybe it signals. I think so. I think that's one of the problems is because they run kind of from May to September. And by yeah. the time people get to the end of May, early June and the NBA is finished, yeah. as you say, people, their basketball season's over and they've moved on to something new. Yeah. And you have summer, right? Yeah. So, and holidays. You know, in America, the big go down the shore, right? That's yeah. what people do. So you're not, yeah. you know, at home on a Monday night just turning on the, t yeah. you know, you're, yeah, out, you're out on you're vacation, out you know, exactly. so I think it's that probably yeah, yeah. plays into it a little bit too. I mean, right. there's so many. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, <clears throat> and, and for us watching um, abroad, like, who are the players that you see in the NCA that really excite you? Oh, who in the NCA excites How you? How are you now? doing? For we had a rough year last year. Right. Um, so we graduated a lot of seniors the year before who were kind of impact players for us. Yeah. Uh, so we were rebuilding as such. We finished middle of the pack in the A-10, so we didn't make any kind of postseason tournament, which is something a St. Joe's team yeah. typically does, and it's right. where we want to be, whether it's the NCAA or there's another tournament called the WNIT, so the right. National Invitation Tournament. They have it on the men's side as well. Um, so we'll usually be playing some sort of postseason this season. And, does, we and if you don't get to postseason, does that affect your budget or does that hold up? It doesn't affect your budget. It could affect your job, I suppose. <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah, you, you yeah. don't want to go too many years without making a postseason yeah. or, yeah. you know, because it is the same, you know. It's not, a professional job. It's a job. professional job, yeah. So you're relying on 18 to 22-year-olds to perform yeah. for, for you to continue having success and yeah. so that the school sees you as still employable, you know. Do you follow the NBA? Do you follow a men's team? Does it have to be Philly? It has to be Philly. 
because girl, to be honest, I don't follow teams like that over there. People laugh at me like my husband's a mad Eagles fan. Right. Um, Philadelphia Eagles yeah. and they won two years yeah. ago yeah, so it was did. huge yeah. so I'm definitely on the bandwagon and I love it because everyone's extra happy when they're doing well you know and it's almost the same with basketball like obviously I know bas- I don't know football Yeah, I know basketball yeah, yeah, yeah. but I didn't grow up yeah, you don't have that you know, we didn't have that exposure. We yeah. we were Charles Barkley for some reason was someone growing up that uh, it was like sons t-shirts for sale in Tullamore. You know, he was someone who and Dennis Rodman. And Rodman, they were big names. He, they the were time. big names here. Yeah. They were the only ones that filtered Michael Jordan obviously. Jordan. So they were the yeah. the three names that stood out for me from a young age, but I didn't like get behind their teams or, you know. Yeah. So I'm all about the Sixers. They had this huge rebuilding process and it's kind of fun to watch and I definitely want them to to do well it's great for the city of but course it must be yeah you know yeah. deep down that I grow up like the other people are just fanatical about it that's in their blood I, that's I don't in their have families. that fanaticism attached yeah, to it yeah but do I love the Sixers and do I love when the whole city is you know yeah get alive behind someone and alive and the yeah. playoffs are on and there's always something to watch and do like yeah. I love that. Where do you stand on, is it James Harden, the guy who's been shooting the big, huge scores, the guy who's sh- shooting 60 or 60, 60 yeah. points a game, is it, this year? Um, you know, he's breaking, this guy in America, he's breaking the rec- shooting records and people are saying, yeah, but, you know, uh, he's too selfish, he doesn't pass the ball. I just think that's sure a people really said that about thing. me too. Well, it's an interesting <laughs> thing about, like, yeah, about scores. And then also he has this way of winning fouls. Then people are saying, oh, he puts his feet forward and he wins fouls or whatever. Um, do you know, do you want to see people shooting big scores or are you much more analytical when you're watching basketball? Um... I don't mind either way. Like, I would assume that it's part of the team process, you know? If, if it wasn't, they could probably pull the reins in a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't mind if he's ma- making 60 points and they're good buckets to watch, because I think basketball's a beautiful game. Yeah. I don't mind who's putting them in. It could be all one person. It could be the whole team. It doesn't matter to me once the game is being played. Right. You know? And, and, and do you think... I watch the NBA now, and I think, does nobody play defense anymore? No. I mean, now they do. The playoffs, they do. Have you noticed a difference? I haven't, but my eye isn't good <laughs> enough. But that's interesting you should say that, because now there's lots of Irish people watching the NBA and going, oh my God, oh, they're all amazing. And I'm going, hold on, they don't defend anymore. Like, you know, yeah. Um, well, they Scottie have. Pippen and people used to defend. Oh, Scotty Pippen was another name Scottie I missed. Was a he great was, player. Yeah. Um, but do you think they're starting to defend more? Well, I think they start this time of the year. Uh-huh. I think if you go to a game early in the season and stuff, you're not, you know. I remember on my recruiting visit to St. Joe's, it was a huge deal. We, they brought me to a 76ers game. And I remember like, being ready to be so wowed by it. And I was wowed by the stadium and the theatrics surrounding it. But the game itself, I was kind of let down. It was like humdrum. And then maybe the last 10 minutes of the game, everything picked up to this huge level when everyone was leaving the stands to beat traffic. Yeah. I'm like, this is, not, this is not what sports is about. You know, I'm like, it finally got good. Can we stay? Yeah. Um, and I feel that way a little bit from the preseason to the playoffs in the NBA. Like, but they play a massive amount of games. They do. Like, they so, play over 80 games or something ridiculous. You know, like they're playing. Every night I turn on the TV, the Sixers, I'm like, their yeah. bodies must take it. Think about it. Yeah. So to be at your highest level for that many games throughout a season is probably unrealistic. 
So that's why I feel this time of the year when it's do or die playoff time, you actually see much better basketball. So I do enjoy watching the playoffs. Oh, good. I'm going to watch. I'm going to look yeah, at watch out. They're playing. Eye. And they have some different rules and stuff defensively. So, yeah. you know, some of that plays into it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even sure of the rules, but yeah. um, maybe that's what you're there saying. There was a notion, I mean, when I look at some of the stuff online about the WNBA and some of the comments that just are so dismissive of it, some of the American mm. basketball fans, and they're just so dismissive. And there was a notion at one point to lower the rim. I know, yeah. I mean, what's your, the, Very the notion anti. was lower the rim so that we can see women dunking and then we might get excited. Yeah, first of all, there are women who can dunk at the moment, which is pretty unbelievable and pretty cool to watch, but... The game isn't about, even when I watch the men's game, yeah, you see a dunk here and there, it's nice. But the game is so much more. You look at that Spurs team, you know, they just pass the ball, there's a rhythm, there's um, it's just like, it's almost like a dance, right? Like, you know, a pick here and you're, there's, uh, I don't even have to describe it. I think it's just such a beautiful game. So to, to think that lowering a rim and dunking would make it better just seems asinine, really. Yes. Um, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> to be honest, you know, yeah. there's, I know many people who'd rather watch the women's game than the men's game for that reason. Like, the men's game is a little bit more showboat, more dunking, whereas the women's game, it's the fundamentals. You have to be really good at the fundamentals because you're not playing over the rim. Um, so to me, it just, it just seems silly. Yeah. No, it's a really, I mean, it's, it's a classic thing of saying, oh, it's not spectacular enough, so let's do something to make it look spectacular. Yeah, when, no. when surely you love the game. You oh, love, there's something you beautiful say, you about it. You love the technical aspects of the game. Uh, just a fast break when the ball doesn't touch the ground or, you know, someone, you know, they have the shot and they make that next one for a better shot and, like, the person makes it. There's... Yeah. Oh, it just makes me feel good thinking about it. There was a pass. <laughs> there was a no-look pass by a girl in the NCA this uh-huh. year. The one behind the back. Yeah, on that the one? break. On the break. I don't know who. And who the she hands was who caught for. it. Yeah. It was unbelievable. If it had been in the men's game or in the NBA, it would be all over. It would be. But wild. the shoot, like I mean, the, the women can just shoot too. Like I think that's something that we do really, really well. well. Yeah. And. You know, there's something to be said for watching from long range. Because sometimes as a coach, I sit, we've had some great shooters on our team. Um, Aaron Shields stands out as one. This year we had Alyssa Monaghan. And you're almost like, no, 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 no. They're too far back. And then it's just this beautiful arcing Bond, shot and it goes yeah. in. And, you know, when you watch it from that angle on the bench, it's, it's something else, really, to be honest. You still love the game. I do love the game. I do. There Isn't is. That great? It is. Isn't it great? is. I'm never years tired of it. Still, still in love with the game. I never tired of it. I'm not as good at playing it anymore, but I, I, I never <laughs> tired of watching it or, or being involved in it. And there's, but there's more to the game. So there's the game of basketball. But what kept me in it for so long was the team. Like, yeah, the creating a team. Every year is different. So like four or five seniors leave, four or five freshmen come in. So we're already building right for next year, and we have this great class of freshmen coming in and. How are we going to mesh them with the people we have, and what are their goals? And there, there's there's something about that process that I think is just well. That's why they're putting. That's why you're obviously going into player development as well. Cause yeah, you like to deal with the people. I do, and, and how you can help them as people. It's always been a people thing for me, you know. And I think our head coach uh, Cindy is just wonderful X's and O's. And over the years, I've become more of an X's and O's person. And analytics are huge right now in sports. And people are employing people on staff just for analytics. Fortunes first. Yeah. But to me, there's a feel you have. Like, 
you know, you could have someone sitting on the bench telling you, we ran spread three times and we scored two out of the three times. But in a particular situation, someone just made a bucket and you know, like, we run zip right now. I know she's going to score. I don't care. We, we're 0 for 5 on zip. Yeah, but you just know next time she gets the ball, yeah. she's going to score on zip. So there's That's a feel to it, That's you know. There's that. a feel to it that that I love. And you have to appreciate the analytics and you have to, yeah. you know, you can analyze afterwards and I believe in tape watching is, is huge. Part of it, obviously, um, yeah. And that's something that doesn't lie, you yeah. know. Yeah. But, but there is that human element as well. There so. is a human element. And There's always that, sh- that, that chance, you know, that, that somebody can, whether they do this or not, there is a personal thing there. Absolutely. They're not robots. No, they're not. They're and definitely not. It's such a quick game. And more than ever they're not because you know, back when I played, uh, there was, I can't remember his name, there was some man who used to take pictures at all the games, you might know who I'm talking about, uh, who's just an old, an old man with a camera, and then he'd send them up to our house, you know, and that might be the only thing you saw of a game, because this old man yeah. down in the gym in Cork took some right. pictures and sent them to the house because he thought you were a good player, but now these, you know, everyone is so more connected, like yeah. social media is social a wonderful media. thing, but it does add... Pressure. pressure to to these college athletes, you know, huge uh, pressure to perform, pressure to be perfect, you know. So there is a, a major human element. I always say, if I was going back again, knowing I wanted to be a coach, I would just do a degree in psychology or something instead of business, you know, because yeah. that's so that's, much of it is about so much is about is the, the mental psychology. game, yeah, 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 and developing rounded human beings, that, absolutely that 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 can cope with all of that pressure that's on top of them. Yeah, yeah, we talk about it all the time and. In, in, in female sport even there's an added element maybe into how they look and all that as well mm-hmm. so like there is added extra stuff look you love it still which is great I do. and it's amazing to hear your story because we always wondered so much about what happened with the NBA what was it like yeah. do, do, do you have one memory that you took away from the WNBA um, or even Australia or Spain you know I think the WNBA was just um, like I made it, you know? Like I said, despite not playing, I just felt like I made it. Um, because that did actually pick up some, at the time, media attention here. So I'm like, wow, people, people care. Yeah. You know? So to, to feel that um, was great and just to be involved in that whole process. Yeah. And I think coming from someone who, who didn't get drafted and it, it was against the odds, really. Really against the And I'm the all odds. about beating the odds. <laughs> <laughs> I love like the underdog story. I'm I'm that person. So so that was that was pretty satisfying. Well, you for me. And, and we should tell you before we let you go. She was a, a very very good tennis player. Played for <laughs> Leinster. Played for Ireland underage. So you could have it could have been tennis. But but the yeah. probably one coach down in Tullamore in school. Yeah. Anne Ganley. Anne Ganley changed your life. Maybe she did. Yeah. I mean, tennis was definitely my first love. But like I said, the team element of basketball. We came, we were a bunch of tennis players, and we said, right, so, uh, this, <laughs> Nginley, this week's got, Nginley, she wants to start the team, sure, we'll get her play some games, and it'll be, we never really played basketball before, I'd never, people are starting now in America, six and seven-year-olds, they're out doing drills, I was 12 when I went to the Sacred Heart. Wow. Right, when you start secondary school, you're about 12, that's when I first started playing, and we just had the best time, you know, and the team element got me in and Anne jokes like she had no idea what she was doing either she she laughs that <laughs> she was trying to read ahead in these books cause, you know as she, she was like god they're actually good like yeah. i'm going they're She's going to they're going to need coaching yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely changed my whole um perspective and and the fact it was 
enjoyable. Like this is something my dad has preached to me forever. Just my mom's very competitive. So I get that side from, oh, yeah, she said, how, how was the game? I'd be like, oh, the game was great. And I know right well she wants to know how many points I did scored. Did you win? Yeah, yeah. Did you not did you, yeah, she, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she yeah. cared. Whereas my dad's question was always, well, did you enjoy it? Did you have crap? How was, not how was the game? Like, did you have fun? You know, that was always, did you have fun? Did you enjoy it? So to have grown up playing it in an environment, whether it was with my family, who encouraged just enjoying it, getting out there, school, it was like, the whole school was involved in it, so it was just, you know, people could be very talented and go through bad situations, yeah. and maybe they never realized their talent. I always had these people around me who just made it fun, you know? And that's, I can attribute that to a lot of, I wasn't sick of it. We get players now, and they're sick of it by the time they get to college. Yeah. Yeah. I was just getting going, yeah. because yeah. it had been fun for so long, and it remained fun. Well, I suspect for the girls at St. Joseph's that, that you will always be bringing that element of fun to it. I do try. <laughs> I bring the Irish crack, you bring know. Bring the crack to it, exactly. <laughs> it's fantastic to have you. Um, we really feel honoured to have had you in. So you made sporting history in lots of ways. And you continue to do so, I hope. So we wish you, we're going to show a picture of Ashling. Um, something I love about every little photo I see of her. She's got basketball. Thing in two, yeah, but also she's got two hands. Uh-huh. And you were dual-handed, and that was one of your amazing talents was that you made yourself as good on your weak hand as just your hand. <laughs> so I think, I think she's already... I can see her little dual-handed things when she's playing. So that's a great start. Thank you so much. Yeah, we, we joke because she'll be eating. She's, I think she's definitely right-handed, and she'll be eating food and she takes it with her right hand. I keep putting it over on the left side. People are like, Susan, seriously? I'm like, no, it's good to be both. Listeners, Coach that, Sue. Is, that is all you need to know about Sue Morn. That is all you need to know. We leave it there. We congratulate you and Siobhan Caffrey on your uh, induction into the Irish Basketball uh, Hall of Fame. We wish you all the best. Thank you future. so much for having me, and thanks for promoting women's sports. Um, like I said to you on the way over, now in my feeds, there's just so much more of it. I was looking at pictures yesterday of all the girls and with their camogie sticks and their communion outfits. In the communion outfits. Oh, uh, warmed my heart because, you know, as women, sometimes it was, you know, being a sports star wasn't your aspiration. But as I look at this younger generation coming up, like there's something powerful attached to being good at what you do and succeeding at sports. And, you know, you want that because after life, so you're, you're going to get a job at some, you're going to do, you need those skills. And I think sports builds them. So to have all this younger generation coming up and for me in America to be able to, to watch it. it on my feed is just heartwarming. And um, no, I'm just excited for the future of women's sports in Ireland. So thanks for helping right. promote it, it and is, get it out there. It's absolutely our pleasure. All right, folks. So listen, we'll just leave you and say all our previous episodes, you can get them on iTunes or on offtheball.com. Go into their podcast link there and you'll find the series link to Off the Bench there. And until the next time, folks, enjoy your sport. <laughs>